notes up everything. The Blues cap space is up because we have so many players on the LTIR. With the Blues' two key tradable free agents both set to miss a month or more, the breaks are officially off on the tank this season. So, of course, the Blues managed a 6-5 win against one of the best teams in the league. These boys refuse to be categorized as anything other than wildly unpredictable, but it's our job to talk about it each week for your entertainment for free. So since that's what we must do, let's get started and let's go blues. Welcome back, everyone. Welcome to the Two Guys One Cup podcast. We are here and we are recording live from the Alley Valley in London. Ian, I'll tell you what that is in just a moment. But how are you doing this evening? You'll tell me what it is, but it is also where we are. Yeah, that's right. I, I am very confused in this. Mindful to do space. Uh huh. <laughs> With true. walls, it is, it is a space. It does have walls, <laughs> but no ceiling. <laughs> That's right. Zero ceiling. Nothing can contain us in this thing that he said that is in London. Uh, is this football related? Uh, no, no, no. We'll get there. You just tell me how you are. Um, I'm doing. I'm doing well. I'm a little upset at this World Junior score right now, but other than that, I'm I'm doing well. Excellent. So now that we've got those formalities. <laughs> I'm going to take a tight 15 to talk about my new obsession, which is the world of professional darts. Ian. Oh, I, boy. <laughs> no, I will go through this very quickly. But um, I was introduced to the World Dart Championship by our uh, our friend. I don't know if he's your friend. He's a person you're aware of, Nick West, we've talked about before, <laughs> a European gentleman. And our European gentleman friend. That's right. And I know that professional darts was a thing, but I did not know quite to the extent to which it was a thing, especially in Europe. And the Alley Pally, more formally known as the Alexander Palace, is where they host the darts championship every year. And it is, you know, the soccer team Crystal Palace. Well, Crystal Palace is the South London counterpart to the Alexander Palace which is still standing. I think the Crystal Palace technically is not. But um, anyway, it's rowdy. It's insane. The fans are so drunk. Uh, (laughs) It's just a lot of fun. And they had the final. I didn't actually watch most of the final on Wednesday. I watched the semis on Monday. Or no, the final was yesterday, so Tuesday. Uh, I watched the semis on Monday with Nick Wisp. But in the final, so in darts, you play down from 501 and the best the best it's not called a square because they're not squares but the best segment you can hit isn't actually the bullseye it's the triple 20 which is just north of the bullseye um so it's 60 points and a nine darter is where you have like a perfect round where you hit the triple 20 however many times and then you eliminate the rest of your 501 perfectly i should know what the point totals are but i don't feel like doing the math 
So the nine darter is as good as it gets, and they're pretty rare, even for the best dart players. But there was a round, and you guys should look this up, just even if you don't understand it, it's just crazy to watch. There was a round in the final where, and you can just go on Twitter and search like best dart round ever. They they exchanged nine darters almost. The guy who was kind of the favorite had his first six darts because they switch off three at a time. And technically the darts are called flights apparently, but I'm just going to call them there. They, they each threw their first six darts. Perfect. So, which is, those would all be triple twenties. And then the favorite who had started through his next two perfectly as well, and then barely missed the nine darter. Hmm. And then the next guy finished his nine darter and the place frigging exploded. It's just like <laughs> pandemonium. You have to go watch it. It's pretty crazy. Um, you know what? Ian, I'm going to make you watch it right now because people, this is the quality. That's right. That you sync up your videos at home on YouTube with what we're about to watch and you too can experience this right. electric sporting moment. That's right. The, let's see. The greatest round of darts. Uh, uh, this was recent. This happened. Recently. Oh, yeah. This happened, okay. this happened yesterday. Um, all right. Can you see this? Yes, I can. can. Can you hear it? No, I can't hear it. Oh, dang it. Now I got to figure out how to do this. Folks, this is electrifying content. <laughs> now this is content. Just electrifying. Preferences. Share screen share uh sound there's a way to do share sound advanced perhaps uh, uh share screen capture mode <laughs> i don't like this i don't like this at all it's like okay. listening to your grandpa <laughs> people really should have uh tuned out already by now but they haven't they haven't done it so um man there should be a way to share your audio i know there's a way to share your audio share. There is, there's no way i've done this before i thought i had it set that's why i did this with such confidence confidence oh oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. figured it out ian figured it out here we go round two uh share sound desktop two here we go the greatest round of darts of all time here it all is all right i'm ready That was him missing. Oh, he missed. This bald fuck missed. <laughs> That's right. I like this. Little, this hand, like pro little handshake out of respect. Oh, baby. By the way, they have nicknames, and the guy who won, who's Michael Smith, who had the nine darter, is nicknamed Bully Boy. So. <laughs> That's really all you need to know about darts, honestly. But um, I needed everyone to have a crash course. If you haven't seen that clip, seriously, go watch it. It's absolutely insane. Um, so I'll, I'll retweet it now so that people can find it if they want to. 
That but, was the most electric round of darts I've ever watched. It's also the only, only round of darts I've ever watched. <laughs> That's right. But, hey. but you know what? None, but I could watch a million more. Stuff, and none of them would beat that. Stuff can be two things, you know? That's right. Um, okay, so we've covered the most important sport. Now let's resign ourselves to hockey. Uh, wild week for the Blues. People will probably recognize, well, you know, there's only a 50-50 chance I get this up tonight, in which case they might not recognize it. <laughs> People will probably recognize that. You better recognize. Recorded this a day early. Part of that is because uh, this is a good night to do it for both of us, and, but part, part of it is uh, a lot of shit's happened for the Blues. And I think Steven we has a, darts tomorrow, okay? We right. can't record tomorrow. Oh my god, so so there is a little bar by our office that has like a cra- an electronic dartboard, which really loses a little something with the plastic right. darts. <laughs> we did play it today with a, a friend and I, and it was so, I'm, I'm going to become a dart person, I can just tell. <laughs> I really want to get like a real dartboard for my apartment, but it's an apartment. And I feel like we aren't going to have enough good dart players to guarantee that the walls will stay safe. <laughs> Your damage deposit is gone. Yeah. Um, speaking of the darts thing, though, it has always amazed me that there's like people out there that are into like everything. Yeah. Darts isn't even that crazy compared yeah. to like other stuff, but it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, this there's a whole community of people that paint Digimon, uh, you know two-inch figurines and boy they, they trade in those things pretty heavily and it's like what's happening who are these people i'm glad <laughs> you exist but i'm just like man you can just there's a community for everything the internet is crazy for creating just connecting groups of people mm-hmm. i think about that sometimes when i'm in like you know when i'm self-aware that i'm in a really niche category mm-hmm. and i'm like oh these people are this is look, it's a subreddit dedicated to making professional wrestling memes about Pokemon. Well, this shouldn't exist. <laughs> Whatever. It's like I'm glad this place exists, but it shouldn't. And we should burn it fire. We should all be ashamed. Yeah, exactly. Um, in any case, the Blues this week have suffered the loss of two key players. Uh, and uh I would say have fully and pretty officially entered tank mode all while Connor Bedard and his team Canada is about to um, throw off the Americans pretty handily five to two. I think the current score is in the mm-hmm. world the championship. What folks need to realize, and I do think this is really important. The odds are astronomically slim of us actually getting Bedard. I mean, it would blow my mind. It would be the greatest thing that ever happened, but they're astronomically slim. But what you need to realize this draft, and I know this seems like a cliche, but it's like insanely deep. Like there are mm-hmm. people, this is like the Connor, the McDavid Eichel year on crack. There are like the top four picks this year are like off the wall insane. And even the picks beyond that are like, guys who might have gone first in years like the huge or last year, you know, like one of those weaker drafts. So like you could end up in a situation where you're drafting ninth, which is, you know, very in reach for the blues as much as I hate to say it. And you're still (laughs) drafting a really good player, you know, or you maybe have a couple picks and you can package them and trade up or something. You know, there's a lot of options here. So, um, 
I, you know, I'm, I, the whole suck hard for Bedard thing is fun and I'm all on board and let's do it. Let's lose as many games as we can, as far as I'm concerned. But uh, even if that very unlikely outcome doesn't happen, uh, you know, there's still a lot to be gained by getting a high draft pick this year. But Ian, for one second, can you just imagine if it actually did? <laughs> like, I try I try I not to. I've seen the I've seen the reaction of Steve Dangle when when they won the uh the the Matthews lottery. And there's always part of me that's like, oh Steve, you're such a nerd. I mean, you love this team, but you're a nerd. But I wouldn't be any damn different. Oh yeah. I, you know, when the blues won this, I'd I'd be the exact same. So well, like they were, the Leafs finished, did they finish last that year, right? Yeah, I think so. So yeah. I know like they weren't guaranteed that pick, but like they were, they were as close to as guaranteed as any other team. Now I get this still like maybe 10% more than like the second best or second worst team and so on. So I guess it's still a pretty big deal, but like this would still be like a huge jump for the Blues. I was trying to look up their, their, odds for moving there right now because i think they're 10th in the league Mm -hmm. um and their odds of drafting like first overall i think are like three and a half or something like that but it's still a possibility um and yeah and if you if you lose a bunch then you maybe you're worse than florida although florida's doing pretty bad uh maybe you're worse than vancouver maybe you're around that philly montreal area mm-hmm. i don't think we're ever gonna be we're never gonna be worse than chicago and i'm columbus uh san jose even if arizona plays decently in the second half of the season maybe they you know actually buoy themselves past a few teams but i really think we're in the we're in the 10 to 6 range right 6 to 10 range and like that's still really good and obviously the lower you get in the standings the better your odds are of getting moved up into the one, two, or three spot, um, which would be huge. I mean, like you said, that's a really deep draft. So just even drafting top 10 would be great. Um, drafting any better, I think, is just icing on the cake for them, especially if they can possibly, like you said, trade away UFAs, get picks back, and then maybe even package those picks to move up. I think that might be hard given that everybody knows this is a deep draft, but hey, maybe you're a team that needs um, you know, more pieces than less right they need quality over or they need quantity over quality at that point possibly so you could see that happen as well if they want to move into say like i don't know top five or something but i think the hardest part for me to kind of cut to the chase is just that this team this team's maybe they're not as good anymore now that o'reilly and tarasenko are out but they're still like just a, just a smidgen too good where i'm like oh god damn it you're not like pretty much last night i, I want them to beat toronto you always you always root for that you know nothing better than beating toronto hey eh, boys but, That's right. um it, it is one of those things where i'm just like man can you just lose can you lose two out of every three <laughs> at least give me a yeah. win every once in a while so i don't feel terrible but like I just need, I need more conviction from any more losing conviction from this team. Yeah. It always sucks to root for that and then read like Doug Armstrong's comments or other fans are like, yeah, we'll figure it out. And I'm like, no, we don't want them to figure it out. That's yeah. the opposite of what we want. Well, on uh, on tankathon.com, I only had to quick sim lottery like 10, 15 times to get us to second. And That's Adam, right. 
Adam Fantilli, baby, I'll take that. I'll take that quote-unquote consolation prize, the Jack Eichel consolation prize. I'm all in. I just refresh. I'm going to see how many it takes. <laughs> it took me first. four clicks to get to second again. So, you so, know. The algorithm's never wrong. Get boned, Chicago. Um, uh, just so long as he doesn't end up in Chicago. Seriously. Please, no, Anaheim, Columbus. He's no, he's definitely gonna. God damn it. No. <laughs> oh, have you seen, like, I mean, so. Chicago is like, here's the, th- here's the, I, I'm, I'm of two minds on this. I guess on one hand, just from a purely financial consideration standpoint, the NHL almost should put its thumb on the scale and make Chicago win. You know, mm-hmm. like if, if they're, if they're every bit as evil and corrupt as, as we think they are, I couldn't even blame them. But on the flip side, in the weird, like white nighty sort of way that Gary Bettman is, mm-hmm. I could also see him saying, these guys are tanking way too hard and, and tanking doesn't happen in all league. And then, you know, like putting his thumb on the scale in the opposite way to be like, get fucked Chicago. <laughs> you know, like, so really, who knows? And if the, if he does that, if he if he wants to give Chicago the biggest middle finger he possibly can, right, what better way to do it than by giving their arch rivals the first overall pick? Something we haven't had since Eric Johnson, and he, that barely counts. So, <laughs> <laughs> and otherwise, haven't had it all. Right? Johnson was our only That's the only one. So, uh, you know that you know what to do, say, Gary. I would say, Gary, uh, play your cards right, and this can really work out for you. (laughs) You could really capitalize on that St. Louis market that's always uh, been so wishy-washy. I feel so bad for Arizona right now because they've got – they invented tanking, and yet they're (laughs) enjoying that damn mullet arena just enough that they're like fifth and have 8.5% odds. Yeah, I'd be like, you guys got to do worse than that. You need you need double digit odds, baby. If yeah. you're Arizona, you're playing a freaking college stadium. Like, give them something to really cheer for. So, with O'Reilly out with a broken foot, Tarasenko with a hand injury, like you mentioned off the hop, they're both out for at least a month. When they'll be reevaluated, O'Reilly for a month and a half about. And so that's not even guaranteeing that they come back in that time. Now we've seen some people come back from injuries early, yada, yada, but like they could take longer than that. I believe the um, trade deadline's the very beginning of March. So we're about eight weeks away from that. So if they're on schedule, they should both be back before trade deadline. Um, and so that's, that's a good thing in the sense that they can then play and hopefully show that they're doing all right, maybe produce a little here and there and buoy their trade value up a little bit. But I also think that those two are kind of like known commodities, like Ryan O'Reilly's not coming back for a broken foot and like having his game shattered and changed forever. Same with Tarasenko with like a hand injury. They are what they are. Um, Maybe you're not going to get quite as much for them, say if, uh, they had been lighting it up over the last two months, but again, both of them have been struggling a little bit, O'Reilly especially. So I think whatever trade value they had now is probably what they're going to have at the deadline too, which isn't to say that it won't be nothing. It's just not going to be anything insane, I don't think. Um, but I, I found it interesting because like they did a they did a couple of rounds of, or I should say a couple of different people had words to say about these 
these injuries and what the Blues were going to do. And Armstrong namely had comments about it. He said, I'm excited. I'm excited about it. He's excited about these injuries. <laughs> uh, when you work in pro sports, you don't get down in situations like this. I'm really excited about the opportunity. I remember in 0809, that team was ravaged with injuries. He actually said ravished and was quoted as saying ravished with injuries because <laughs> you don't know how to speak no good, but it's ravaged with injuries. Um, then they went on a great heater, made the playoffs, and lost Vancouver. Not only let's let's remember, not only did they lose Vancouver, they got swept. Um, it was a sign of a team that came together and did all the little things well. They played great in front of their goalie. Their goalie played good. They didn't give up a lot of chances. You have a lot of fun when you're playing like that, and that's what you would have to do. Again, I have to reiterate this. That was a that was a team that held on was number one in the league for this, I believe had like the best record down the stretch uh, second half of the season. And they got swept by Vancouver and rightfully so. <laughs> so like, I don't know that that's the goal. That's, that's the fun. That's what you're aiming for. Um, I think he's, I think he's fibbing a bit. I think he's, I think that he's literally best case scenarioing it before people because he can't be the GM and be like, well, guys, we're fucked. <laughs> like he's gotta be yeah. like, hey, you I know guess. what could happen? Some fun could happen. And then Tom Stillman nods and, and ticket sales don't plummet. He probably also can't just go out and outright say, we were gonna trade everything that isn't nailed down. These guys, we can't keep them, so you can get them at bargain basement price. <laughs> right, you right. Know? But man it is it is hard for me to read that because like dude and i know we talked about this last year too but like it's becoming more and more real like i don't care about first round exits anymore like Mm. the stanley cup to me just transformed my calculus entirely where like i want it more than i ever did before almost because i've experienced it now and i know how big a deal it is and and you know, the second one kind of validates the first one in a lot of ways. Right. But, but I also want to like take half our at it even less because we ain't, you know, we ain't going the distance this year. We're not going for speed and, and other cake references. <laughs> like, uh, it's not happening. And I know there are people, there are a lot of people now who are, who are fighting back against these people. So, I'm, you know, shout out to those folks, but they're still that group that fringe contendant, the lunatic fringe of the St. Louis Blues fan base that are still going to be like, well, I, I guess you just weren't around in 2019. How could you write off this team? I, I, I mean, do you remember that? Or, you know, or are you two years old? And it's like, yeah, I remember 2019. I also remember everything about this team being better objectively on paper and i also remember the entire first half narrative of that season being hey the blues metrics are really really good and yet they're sucking that doesn't make sense maybe that should change eventually and then we got a brand new goaltender which we can't do this season and we got a brand new head coach which we're not gonna do this season and then yeah we made a unreal insane turnaround but two of those things the two biggest parts of that cup run can't happen this season and zach samford and robert bortuzzo aren't even here to fight anymore so (laughs) you know unless robert bortuzzo is gonna like ragdoll logan brown as the zach samford villain then we're screwed i guess you know if he he does it to logan brown though logan brown's gonna be hurt again so that's true i mean he always is although you can't you can't fight someone who's not in practice so there's that 
Yeah, it's like about practice. <laughs> I tweeted that earlier. I was like, why are any Blues fans holding out for a turnaround? Because you can't possibly think they're cup contenders this season, and this team can't get or this team that can't get it done is just getting older. Um, like they need change. Holding on to UFAs and making a run is just delaying the inevitable. That's sort of like to me that feels like folks that are really invested in like the seasons like year to year like very much focused on the year as it's happening and you're like you know what I don't want this to end I want to enjoy playoffs later and it's like yeah I totally get that if that's how I'm looking at it I want that too I want playoffs every year I want to enjoy them I want like the fun of the postseason because it's always fun but if you're looking for how does this team win another cup it's not by like beating its head against wall with this roster and like trying to make a run of it, losing your UFA is having no sort of um, assets in return and just like slowly watching this team sink into quicksand. And then like, yeah, they'll turn, you're right. There'll be a rebuild just like we kind of want right now. And there'll be a turnaround. There always is, but it's going to be long and hard and arduous because you, you have to recoup assets and we don't have any. So you're going to have to suck pretty hard and you're going to have to trade away guys that, you might not want to trade away because how else are you going to get any better? Um, so at this point, it just seems like the best route is trading your UFAs that you have now, getting assets, trying to retool a bit. You don't have to go on a full rebuild. They've got way more pieces than anyone should have if you're going to like a full rebuild. You got Thomas, Kairu, Bushnevich. I'll even throw Bennington in there because Bennington has proven that he can he can do it and he has spurts and stretches. Like you've got Perunovic if he comes back healthy. I like Falk even, but like, it's just, you have pieces there, but you need way more than that. Um, you need to be able to compete and they, they're not contenders for the cup as is. So it's like, might as well just hit the reset a little bit here and, and try something different because this, this isn't working. Um, Armstrong had uh, another question on O'Reilly Teresinko injuries makings. If the injuries made decisions easier to explore the trade market, he said, not really, because we talk and we work behind the scenes every day. So nothing is really going to change. When you look around the league, how many big trades have you seen this year? None. We're part and parcel with the other 31 teams. Your record indicates what you do at the deadline, and ultimately it takes two to make a trade. We have to want the players who other teams are trading and vice versa. Our record will dictate what we do at those times. And so it's like, I give him credit for at least not um, trying to tow a company line and saying, oh, it's it's far too early or like we, we don't like to talk about these sorts of things or, you know, we're just trying to focus on winning right now or some BS and at least being like, well, kind of going back to what he said in the past, like we'll do what we have to do come trade deadline time. If they show me that we need a different look, then I'm going to give us a different look. If, you know, if they show me that they deserve pieces to, to play on, then that's what we'll do. But obviously given the current record of this team, just being a skosh over 500, if that continues, you got to think that he's, he's shipping guys out. And to that, to good, that, uh, good use of skosh. Yeah. <laughs> skosh over 500 or are they a skosh over Batman 500? Oh, that's true. They're a skosh over Batman 500. They're a skosh over 500 and like the, points percentage or whatever but yeah in terms of like wins versus non-wins as i like to call them any sort of loss yeah <laughs> they've they've lost more than they've won um but sort of to armstrong's point about like them possibly having to make moves 
Um, 32 Thoughts, they had some comments on this as well. I think it was Jeff Merrick said he had one person from one team say to him on Saturday, man, I have a feeling that St. Louis is going to be sending bodies at the door. And then Friedman had a couple quotes that I found interesting. He said, everyone talks about Tarasenko and everyone talks about O'Reilly. But I had someone who said to me that two of the interesting guys in St. Louis could be Barbashev and Mikola. I had had differing opinions. I had some people say to me, yes, those guys are all definitely going to be moved. But I also had some guys who said to me that they are not convinced yet that the Blues are ready to do anything, that they might want to see this play out a bit further. He said the other thing is, you know, what St. Louis is going to be asking for is comparable to what Philly got for Giroux. And we'll see who is ready to do that. Don't forget that Tarasenko in particular has a say in this, given that he has a no trade clause. The Giroux trade was like a first and Owen Tippett? I don't know about the no trade clause thing. Yeah, it was. Um, I don't know about that, though, because, I mean, yeah, maybe he doesn't want to go to Edmonton, but is he really going to stay on a sinking ship here for three months? Right, right. It's not like, you know, he's not signed in an extension somewhere. Wouldn't he rather, wouldn't you rather play with Connor McDavid for three months, supercharge your free agent value and, you know, take advantage of that rather than sit on the sidelines and mope in St. Louis? I would hope, I forget who his like representation is at this point, but I would hope that uh, they would talk to him about that. Like, cause I'm sure him, he personally would be like, well, I don't want to go to yeah, freaking Edmonton, but they would be like pretty much saying everything you just said, like, Hey, this could actually be helpful in the long run. You don't have to sign an extension there, but this could like help you get more money this summer. So maybe you get, maybe you should do it. Cause like we've said in previous podcasts, it would really be a kick to the balls to hear it's the uh, Kevin Shattenkirk, Taylor Hall sort of like situation and be like, Oh, <laughs> what we could have had, Vladdy, you've killed us. Um, and then Friedman ended up saying, uh, the one thing about O'Reilly, I don't know that this is going to happen, but I know that there are people out there. And he said, this is just him throwing this at the wall. It's just him spitballing. But there are people out there wondering if O'Reilly has any interest in a short-term deal in St. Louis because he likes it there. But he also said, I don't know if that's going to happen. And, you know. Brian, sign a short-term deal here after we trade you. <laughs> get yeah, come back. That's fine. I, I think I think it, I guess it has something to do with that like move your stuff philosophy, but there is something that breaks once you're traded where it's like, I don't want to go back there anymore. But man, I do wish I wish that was more possible. I wish there was a possibility for Armstrong to have an adult conversation with Brian and be like, look, ain't nothing happening this season. We really like you. We'd really like you to stay on as captain, mm-hmm. but we can get a first round pick and make this team a lot better for the long term by trading you now and then signing you again in the summer. Are you willing to do that and just have the conversation? And if he says, screw you, no, keep me on this team, then you got to weigh which, you know, which you prefer, which is more important to you. But like, I don't know, it, it would just be, it, it makes too much sense to do the old sign and return and you still rarely see it happen. right i mean that'd be ideal as far as like keeping them here what sign them for like i guess five million a year for like three years like if it's a short-term deal i want like three years like even four is already me going eh, that's like i'm already gonna not like the third year of a three-year deal so Mm -hmm. like that's as much as you can do and you know if he's if he's really 
insistent upon it. He doesn't have a no trade clause. He has no movement protection whatsoever. So you just trade him to whoever's going to take him. Um, I also think he's possibly going to be easier to move than Tarasenko. I mean, aside from even the no trade clause, it's just like this is a guy that won the con Smythe. He plays center. Um, he's you know, he's he's a veteran, I guess Tarasenko was at this point too, but like he's like captain of a team, like he's definitely someone that gets added as a second line or even like a third line center on like a deep team and plays PK, plays a lot of defensive minutes. Like that's like a dude you would love to have. People are like, I don't know if you get a first rounder for him. I'm like, you totally get a first rounder for him. That's all, honest to God, that's all I need. I don't even need additional pieces. I mean, even there's maybe there's maybe it's a 2024 first rounder. Maybe, maybe people are really going to protect their 20. Oh, well, that's a that's like, a fair point. They're going to be like, oh, I really want to hold on to this, these, these picks. But I'm also like, hey, Toronto, I'm telling you the pick you're giving us is the 32nd pick, you know, yeah. so get fucked. Yeah, I mean, that, I agree. I agree. That's the flip side of it. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm i kind of not buying the argument. Uh, I think we all, I, I think everybody always does that. Well, who knows what their value is going to be at the deadline. You got a Con Smythe winner and a 40 goal scorer. They're going to have value at the deadline. I'm sorry, they just are. You, we can talk about like maybe Barbashev's value, Nico Mikola's value, Thomas Grice's value, which is presumably none, but like, I think those two guys are going to command a pretty penny. And hey, you know what? If 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 it's not two first round picks, maybe it's a third and a pretty good defensive prospect, which is also something we desperately, desperately need. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a close to NHL ready defensive prospect. You know, it's not. It doesn't have to be a first round pick for it to be valuable. I'd like it to be a first round pick. I'd mm-hmm. like this team to restock the cupboard. I'd like it to be both a first round pick and a decent prospect. And maybe if there's the right bidding war, that's possible. But I definitely think those guys have a lot of value. Did you read this comment from JR? Oh, no. It was just, I saw this on Reddit. Someone linked to it. It was just JR on a, a local radio station uh, hit in Toronto called Leafs Lunch, where they were interviewing him uh, yesterday before the Leafs game. And he said, I've been saying for a few weeks that the Blues probably should have been thinking that they should be moving their pending free agents probably even before these two injuries. And now I think these two injuries kind of confirm that that's what the Blues, in fact, need to do. Doug Armstrong needs to capitalize on some of these assets he has. Overall, it was just like um, like a 15-minute interview where they were just talking about the Blues this season and how they've been. I just got a really strong feeling from JR, aside from this quote, that he really believes that's the route they need to take and actually believes that is the route they will take, which I thought was was interesting for some of the, you know, deals with the team day in and day out aside from like, you know, national insiders or whatever. So I feel like there's a lot of smoke around Tarasenko and, and O'Reilly and, you know, even just like you said, Miklo and, and Barbashev, just like the UFA class that is here. And I don't know. I just don't see it again, unless they, unless they go on some sort of absolute tear. And I mean like a tear, like, just being back to serviceable or like slightly above 500, you know, winning three out of every five or whatever is not enough. Yeah. Like for that, for them to hold on to these guys. Like, and again, we're 38 games in the season. We're three games away. 
from being halfway through the season and they're a 500 team. So I don't know. I don't know what else I'm supposed to go on. with like, ah, they'll, they'll figure it out. Especially now that these two guys are out. I'm happy to see neighbors back up and Alexandra up. Like, I think it's cool that they're in the lineup and we can see what they can do. Um, neighbors. I have faith in, I, he seems like he's in that weird spot that, that players have, um, you know, a lot of good players have had in their time where he is like too good for the AHL. Cause it seems like every time they send him down, he lights it up and he's the best Springfield Thunderbird. And then we bring him back up here and he has some flashes of, of goodness, greatness, but then he has some just really boneheaded shit too, which again, he's like, what, 21, totally fine. No big deal. I just find that like, he's, he's in that part of his learning curve or progression because it seems like they're like, he's the first call up. And then whenever I watch him play, I'm always like, Hey, he was pretty rough, yeah. um, but he did have a really good uh, couple of shifts yesterday and like good forecheck that led to a goal. So like, he'll get there. Alexandrov, they seem to really like in terms of like puck responsibility. I think, I think on the radio yesterday, they're like, yeah, he's not like fast. And he doesn't like score a lot. He's not like the greatest passer and, you know, <laughs> all this stuff. They're like, but he's super responsible with the puck. <laughs> they're like, he treats the puck like gold. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm sure they mean that in such a nicer way. And I'm sure he's fine with all these other things. But I was just like, that's a very interesting thing to say um also a very hockey thing to say but like hopefully he can turn into like a nice bottom six piece like they've got they've got stuff they have some reasons to watch and be hopeful like i know armstrong called out sod and shen the other day specifically i think it was like the veterans on this i think it was something like the veterans on this team but then he literally listed those two and then they both had a great like great game last night so i don't know it's it is kind of fun when you're down bodies because then you just kind of see what your team's sort of made of in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, so in a in a way, I'm like sort of rooting for them, but I'm also like, come on out, but let's not win. Let's not win any games here. New Jersey seems to be back to playing really well, so that's bodes quote unquote well for us tomorrow. Hopefully, they slaughter us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't want to. It's very hard. It's very. I've. I want this team to be good i don't want kairu's like stats to suffer or thomas or or even like bennington just get lit up over and over again i'm like aha everyone sucks now like i don't want that but i also do want them to lose (laughs) so it's like i like ideally last night is sort of like what you have all the time except you lose by a goal i'm like ah we're scoring it's fun it's exciting ah you lost all rats and then you do it again seven six ah you lost all right it's like it's still enjoyable but i'm so stuck my thinking is so much in that track that they this is the path this is what they have to do it seems inevitable and this the annoying part is we're in that middle ground where like there's not fun prospects for them to bring up no offense to neighbors not alexandrov there's no um guys where it's like yeah we suck but let's watch the development of these young dudes mm-hmm. or we have so many prospects let's check in on those guys sort of thing you're just in that weird space where i'm just like i now have to hope that you don't do well for the next 41 games and there's not really like a 
a lot of like different pieces for me to invest in other than just being like, hey, Kyrie's fun, you know, sort of thing. It's yeah. it's difficult. Yeah, it's not great, but um, I think there's still a chance here. The defense is really bad. There's going to need to be creative decision-making. Here's a thought. If you get two first-round picks or three first-round picks, you could use one of those to make a defensive contract disappear if that <laughs> is valuable enough to you. You know, like, don't, don't just assume that the only – the only path forward to Doug Armstrong getting future assets right now is waiting three or four years to see those players come to development. He's been very creative with these before. We've seen it a lot. And I think we just have to recognize that this season is lost, whether we want it to be or not. The injuries now, you know, yeah, maybe they can gel, maybe something crazy happens. But when you compare it to the 0809 team, that's a young team that are all starting to build their future together. That's the first real success for like Bacchus Bergwin, Oshi Peron, that generation. Mm -hmm. And this is a mismatched team. There's a bunch of players here who know this isn't where their future is. There's a bunch of guys here on one-year deals or expiring deals. And there's a bunch of guys here who maybe are here for longer, but have already done it and aren't in the same generation as Kyrie Thomas and Buchnevich. It's just kind of a, a, a Frankenstein team, a chimera team, if you will. And, um, you know, they've, they've got to be, they've got to deal with that. And I think they will. I feel good about it, but um, yeah, where it's going to be a weird rest of the season and it's going to be hard at the deadline. If we do trade those guys, it's going to be hard. If we don't trade those guys, it's not going to be, a, I don't think it's going to be a super fun season, but like you said, hopefully there will be a lot of chaos and a lot of excitement. We'll get to that place and it'll be crazy. Mm -hmm. One player whose future has come into clearer focus this week is a uh, prospect goaltender, Joel Hofer, the 22 year old. 23-year-old Joel Hofer. Joel. I want to say 22. Uh, 22 years old. I was waiting for him to be like 26. Like, oh, shit. 2000. Gross. Um, yeah, he signed a two-year, a two one-way contract for 2023, 24, and 24, 25 with a $775,000 AAV, which essentially guarantees that he'll be our backup goalie next year. This is a great solution. It's a thing that we've talked about in the past. Um, and, uh, you know, it's uh, basically something the boys had to do with their goaltending situation being what it is. We've talked about Jordan Bennington ad nauseum. Um, right you know the season and we don't need to beat that beat that drama again um but just to say that right now you're not getting six million dollars worth of goaltending from him um so you have to find a solution where you have someone who can eat some of that joel hofer you're obviously not going to want to overexpose him and start him in 45 games next year but now you're getting two goaltenders for a cumulative price of less than seven million and if Hofer can pick up some slack and challenge Bennington and they can get, you know, even decent goaltending play, 
even just kind of league average or even honestly slightly below league average getting that for a combined seven million under seven million is a lot more appetizing than getting the six million and having to pay for someone else who can basically cover Bennington's ass and having that cost 8.5 or 9 million. So um, excited for that. Hofer has certainly earned it. Um, obviously people became familiar with him. Some people became familiar with him uh, about, I guess about four years ago now, four or five, three or four years ago, where when he uh, was the team, the, the goalie that basically led team Canada to gold cup, gold medal glory at the uh, world juniors which they are about to do again presumably although here's rooting for czechia hope they right. managed to hold them off but um man they've been che- czechia by the way has been friggin great at this tournament did you know they needed a 60th minute goal from sixth overall pick david jiracic who or, uh... Got finally got his equipment back from Alan Wall to tie the game and force it to overtime against Sweden. Um, but yeah, Hofer had that phenomenal breakout tournament. He won gold. He was the player of the tournament, the the goalie of the tournament, all that good stuff. He was pretty good in juniors. Um, he has a lot of size. He played last year um, at uh, the AHL level and was kind of rough, but this year he's been really sensational. He's had a 10, 8, and 4 record, which obviously isn't ideal, but a 922 save percentage and a 239 goals against average, both really strong numbers for the NH for the AHL level. He's already seen a couple of uh cups of coffee with the blues. I think he's made a couple of starts uh mm-hmm. with some injuries last year. Was that last year? Or was it this year? Um I think it was last year. He has two NHL games played and a win already uh, with a 880 save percentage and three goals against average, 3.07. Obviously, you don't read anything into that, but it is kind of nice to know that he won't be a deer in the headlights, um, you know, when it comes to that. And honestly, uh, I'm not against uh, basically outright waving Thomas Grice when you know maybe when you get closer to the trade deadline or something and calling up Hofer and getting his feet wet a little bit this year too if if it makes sense to do that um because I do think if we have the quote-unquote goalie of the future in our pipeline it's probably him although mm-hmm. Jarenko looks really good um and some other people, you know, some of our others, Colton Ellis looks okay, but um, Hofer, you know, has all the tool, all the ability, most of the pedigree. And um, yeah, I think it's cool that we've invested in him. I'm sorry that I I uh, ran on for so long about that, but do you have any thoughts that I haven't already spilled out of my guts? I hate him. Um, <laughs> no, I was going to say, I was looking at goalie stats. Jordan Bennington last night, became tied with Brian Elliott for the fifth most wins in blues history with 104. Wow. Can I name the four goalies above him? I was just about to say that. Jake Allen. Correct. Number two. Mike Liute. That's right. Number one with 151. Uh, how many does Allen have? 147, right? 148. Damn. That was pretty Damn, cool. that was good. <laughs> I knew he felt like literally two or three short of the record, which I always felt kind of bad about. 
Um, Bennington, or uh, uh, sorry, Elliot must have had more than Halak. So we've got to be looking back in time. Fuhr wasn't here that long, but he did start like 82 games the seasons he was here. Curtis Joseph? Curtis Joseph is number three with 137. Okay. So you just need number four. Is it Grant Fuhr? And if it's not Grant Fuhr, who else would it be? God, I hope it's not Chris Mason. Uh, so many of our guys before Liu were so short-lived. Is it Grant Fuhr? It is Grant Fuhr. All right. You nailed it. Grant Fuhr with 108. So Bennington will, Bennington will catch Fuhr. I mean, technically, Bennington, if he rides his whole contract out here, will be number one easily. Who's, be- who's behind Bennington? Do you have the list? Um, yeah, right behind Bennington and Elliott is Greg Millen with 85, then Halak with 83. Thank God I never would have gotten Greg Millen. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Brent Johnson with 76, and Rick Wamsley with 75. You could ask me at the end of this podcast who that name you just said was, Greg Millen, and I won't remember. Um, <laughs> who is Greg Millen? I don't know. That's what I'm asking you. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I'm really excited about Hofer. Uh, I do think he, you know, is, is a, a great goalie prospect for the future. And... Uh, you know, he he's in this position now where on this two-year deal, he can take, he can get his feet wet. And then if he's 24 or five and ready to, you know, really take over the lion's share of the work, then you can give him that kind of bridge deal and the cap will have gone up and you can kind of make the error of Bennington's contract much less of a problem between the two of them. If that you know, of course, if all the pieces fall into place and Hover is good enough, um, but that's the that's the golden path there, if you will. Mm. Other Blues prospects that are impressing: Jimmy Snuggerud has been lights out at the World Junior Championship. He is in third place uh, in scoring, tied with Logan Stankoven. Um, <laughs> you. And- one point behind his uh, U of M line mate, Logan Cooley. Uh, He has five goals and six assists. He had a four-point night in the quarterfinal against Germany. Uh, He's looked really good. Connor Bedard, obviously, is the story of the tournament, has 23 points, breaking all kinds of records. He's gross and disgusting. Um, But Snugs looks real good. He's snug as a bug in a rug. He has a really good shot. He's showed a lot of awareness and smarts in terms of, you know, that kind of hockey IQ that the Blues always seem to draft for. He seems to know where mm-hmm. to be and how to use his, use the tools that God gave him, uh, namely his ass. <laughs> I was going to say, why did I think it was this big old butt? <laughs> I don't even know if that's true. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think he's looked good. I haven't gotten to watch any of this tournament, really, because uh, – You've been watching darts. That's why <laughs> watching darts, and because it's impossible to freaking get the broadcast um, unless you have NHL Network, which is impossible to get. But 
with that said, I've been following it closely through the daily previews for the hockeywriters.com. Uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I think it's been uh, it's been a good tournament for Snug Root. It's been, been a decent tournament for the U.S. Really been a great tournament just for the enjoyment of hockey. There's been a lot of close games, a lot of upsets. Um, Czechia has been absolute darlings. Um, mm-hmm. They they upset Canada on day one of the tournament and kind of announced their presidents. Then they beat the brakes off of Austria nine to nothing. And the next game, they barely lost to Sweden three to two in overtime. But then they beat the brakes off of Germany eight to one. And then in the quarterfinals, they beat the brakes off of Switzerland nine to one. Today they had that last minute goal and then won in overtime against Sweden. And now they had the rematch with Canada tomorrow that they will probably lose. But Czechia hasn't medaled. I think I looked this up yesterday since 2008. Oh, wow. Um, so, you know, to be going home with no worse than a silver medal is certainly nothing to sneeze at. Haven't medaled, excuse me, since 2005. Oh, dang. Their last bronze was in 2005. Their last medal before that was in 2001. They had back-to-back gold medals in 2000 and 2001, which I really want to know what that team looks like. Marion Hopsa. Just kidding. No, he's not in there. He's... Uh, he's 2000 Czech World... Slovakia. Junior roster. Let's see. I don't know any of these people. Martin Havlat. I know Martin Havlat. Yeah, he scored a goal for the Blues literally one time. That's right. Milan Kraft, Yaroslav Kritstek, Michael Sivek, Martin Havlat, Joseph Vasicek, Libor Pivko. Yeah, I don't know any of these. Yeah, I don't fucking, I got no idea. You got goalies on here? Where are the goalies? Who are the goalies at? Where are my goalies at? Zidenic, Zidenic Smead. <laughs> Let's see if 2001 offers it. <laughs> because maybe the next year's better. Tomas Duba was the goalie. Never heard of him. All positions. Let's check this out. Pavel Brindle. Vaklav Nedoras. Zdenek Blatny. Man. Oh, Martin Erat made an appearance. <laughs> Radim Verbata made a person. Hey. Tomas Plikanic. Okay, there you go. None of those guys had anywhere near the most points, though, which is kind of funny. David Nosek, I believe I've heard of him as well. Yeah. Um, man, it would be fun to go through like, you know, those teams and just see who's become like the 2014 Finland roster. I'm going to look that up just because, just because why not? Why not? They won gold. Let's see who was on them. Patrick Lane. Probably sick. Toivo Teravainen led the way 15 points. Esselindel. Five oh, points, know. Arturi Lekkanen, Rasmus Ristolainen. Imagine a 19-year-old Rasmus Ristolainen. Henrik Hapala. Oh, I thought it was Yoni Hakenba for a second. Uh, Miko Lettinen. Oh, yeah. Was it, wait, wasn't Miko Lettinen a goalie? No, that's a... Uh... Kari Lettinen, yeah. Oh, goalie, Vili Huso. <laughs> Backing up UC Saros. God damn. Wait, no, excuse me. Oh, okay. I was looking at goalie forward goalie. I was going to say, 
there's some other goalie that started more games than either of them, but no, that's not the case. Man, six games from UC Saros, two from Billy Huso. Saros had a 943 save percentage, Jesus. five and one, 157 goals against average. Huso, not so good. 854 <laughs> save percentage and a goals against average of 468. You're awful, Billy. You're this awful. This is why we let you go. Um, I threw out a request for questions on the Twitter sphere. So far, we've only asked, uh, we've only had Garrett asking when the next Soccer Talk Wads podcast episode will be. First of all, this is a podcast empire, but you don't just get to acknowledge (laughs) one show on another show. And second of all, uh, it will be very soon. It should be in the next few days because very soon we're so sorry. We do have to talk about the Berhalter Reina drama and uh, all all that. Uh, but he also asked a Blues question: How likely is the current lineup going to be next year's starting lineup? With maybe two tweaks, I assume that's a Blues question, um, unless it's a you know a St. Louis City question. <laughs> Only two if tweaks a, to the if roster. It's a Blues question. I really don't think it's that likely. I think there's going to be some pretty major shakeups as uh as uh, jeff merrick likes to say some major surgery yeah some free agents that leave i would expect at least one free agent that comes in i gotta tell you the bo horvat thing it really <laughs> makes a lot of sense to me. if you lose o'reilly you gotta have another two c or like another top six center oh bo yeah that does make a lot of sense he's younger you know he's not He's not young, but he's younger than O'Reilly. You wouldn't be worried about giving him a six or seven year contract age-wise. You might be performance-wise. Um, I could see um, us obviously like adding other pieces, but I could also see Armstrong being like a freaking dunce and being like, well, you know, we've got two centers. We've got Thomas and Shen. That's your one-two punch. And it's like, oh, oh definitely Jesus. could see that. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I'm like, oh, that's rough. But yeah, either way, like you're going to have, you're not going to lose Ter. Well, fuck. See, this is the thing. You're not going to lose Tarasenko and then like just slot in Jake Neighbors or somebody up there, are you? Well, I didn't think you're just going to lose David Perron and then <laughs> not do anything. And he didn't. So I'm, now I'm starting to get a little worried. Uh, I'm starting to worry myself here. But this is. This is always where it gets hard because you look at these free agents and you're like, oh, we could go get Dylan Larkin. And then you're like, he's never leaving Detroit. But if he did, That'd be think sick. about it. Remember when we were going to get uh, Gabriel Landeskog for a while there? And it was like, oh, it makes sense for St. Louis. And then it was like the 11th hour and he stayed. And it was like, oh, yeah. That was yeah. Those players that are like in places for Good a long thing we time. Didn't, though, I just he apparently doesn't exist anymore. Oh, that's right. Well, I mean, yeah, he's just dead. What What were you saying, though? I'm sorry, I didn't mean to talk. Oh, I was just going to say, I hate, I just give up. I give up on players that have stayed on one team for such a long time, and they are so tied to a team, and then, you know, their contract's up, and it's like, well, they might leave, you know? And, and conversations have gone quiet. And, yeah. you know, player X, he feels slighted. He's not, he does not like the way that they've been treating him. And he's fine. He's fine. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I just don't care. And it's done. It's I don't done. care until he literally, they literally sign with another team. 
um until you until you johnny gaudreau it really seriously it's like until you're like and there you're with the fucking blue jackets now so i I, anything could happen i there i've i think it's a little more evident that they're going to need something rather than just filling in from what we currently have because what we currently have is like nothing i think it's pretty easy to see why like o'reilly wasn't playing that well this year because they kept throwing like josh levo up on a line with them and switching out like Brandon Saad and, and freaking Braden Shen and all these dudes off to his, his left. It's like, none of these guys are David Perron. None of these guys are an equivalent to that. And you're putting, you know, sorry, Josh Lee, well, you're putting like an eight, a very good AHL player on this dude's line. <laughs> and they're just like, why isn't it working? Like, why isn't he playing well? It's like, why is he fucking playing with Josh Levo? For Christ's sakes. Like, it's just unbelievable. <laughs> they said, David Perron out, Josh Levo in. <laughs> Yikes. So I would hope that this is pretty evident that that didn't work and that they can't just double down on that strategy again and like it freaking, I don't even fucking know, who's like, who's like a fucking tweener. They can't go get like... God, like, why am I blanking on any AHL players? Name a random AHL player, Stephen. AHL scoring waiters. Oh, no. <laughs> Let's find out, shall we? We can't go get. Or I'm trying to find one that. We've gone too far down this path, so I'm going to let you, I got to let you finish this. Logan Shaw. That's right. We can't go get Logan Shaw. Emil Bimstrom. Or who's uh who's someone we have? You can't get Will Bitten and move him up into the NHL and be like, well, that's the guy that's gonna fill in for Braden Shen on the third line now that he's the second line center. It's like Jesus, come on, <laughs> let's let's stop fucking around. Let's let's get real. Um so yes, I'll cross my fingers and my toes. There's gonna be at least like two other players on this team next year that are currently, I don't know, not even on your radar. Because mm. like that's the other thing, right? Is they're we're trying to decide whether or not we're even trading people or whether they're going to even resign O'Reilly or whatever. So like, who knows who the fuck they're going to go get. That's like step three and four. And we're still debating on whether or not they're going to take step one. Um, it'll be, it'll be interesting. It's David Pasternak. That's my guess. David Pasternak is obviously this <laughs> blue $11 million. I heard that's what he wants or something. And we're going to give it to him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine with it. Sure. Give him his money. Make him his bag. You know, I don't care. I don't give have, it to him. I don't have anything to live for. <laughs> He's gonna be a St. Louis Blue the same way that John Tavares is gonna be a St. Louis Blue. That's right. Book it. D50. It's 50, 50, 50. All right. Go, oh, go ahead. I was no, just no, saying, no. I I have nothing to say about these games that were played since the last time we recorded they played minnesota on new year's eve they scored two goals and was like oh boy and then they freaking lost so you know par for the course allowed five goals sick freaking sick um and then they played the maple Leafs last night and what turned into like a barn burner um you're up two goals i think four different times in this game and i think you surrender the goal to make it a one goal game in under a minute uh twice so that's neat 
Um, you go to the <laughs> shootout, you win. I didn't think they looked like terrible, terrible. Like your your veterans show up, Brandon Sancho's up, Brandon Chen shows up, Jordan Bennington's. You know what? I looked back at some of those goals, and for people that said it was a rough game for him, I don't know. I, I don't know. He's had rough games. Don't get me wrong. But I don't know if that last night was necessarily one, except for the fact, and it is a fact, that he allowed like freaking four goals and like 13 shots or whatever. Not not great numbers wise, but I feel like a lot of them are like deflections and, and what have you. So I was like, all right, you got screened, you got deflected on, got it, got it. But like, it wasn't a good look that we couldn't um, keep them from scoring immediately after we scored. That's kind of like not what you want to see when two of your veterans go down uh, to injury. They're like, ah, we're weak. As, we're weak mentally. Fantastic. Um, a win's a win. You actually statistically look fairly even with the Maple Leafs, which is, which is a good thing. I mean, you're able to outscore your defensive woes, which we've been saying is kind of the only way they're going to win this year, it seems like. Uh, you surrender five, five goals again. I, I got to look at like our goals against. So we got to be bottom five for sure. For that stretch of games where we were allowing four or more for like nine games in a row, and then we're kind of back at it again. Um, we got to be bottom five in the league. It's, it's terrible. Uh, it's not great. But yeah, you get a win. And again, I like that they beat the, the Maple Leafs. Always fun. Beat them at home, which apparently is a thing the Blues always do i think the last like eight seasons the blues are 14 one and one against the maple leafs in toronto uh i do remember us always having like toronto people score either former toronto maple leaf players and or people from toronto granted that's like half the league but i know dunn scored like some big time goal there i know steen used to like eat that team up um it's fun it's fun to beat toronto in toronto Ian, we are not bottom five in goals against. We are, however, bottom seven in goals against. So, we are. This restaurant yeah. is the top 11 in all of St. Louis. <laughs> I right. bet you can't guess which one we are. Um, bottom seven. Who's worse than us? Hold, hold on. Okay. Hold Chicago, Anaheim, San Jose, Arizona. Two of the four teams you've named so far are not as bad as us. What? Who's not as bad as us? Chicago. Well, we're tied with Chicago, so we're technically in the bottom six, depending on how you sort it. We're tied for six. Uh, we're tied with Chicago, and Arizona is actually 11th worse. Oh. So, but the Ducks and the Sharks, yes. And none of the other ones are, like, surprising. Isn't Buffalo one of them? Um, they are... They're bottom 10, at least. 13th. What? I don't think you have a good sense of who gets scored on in this. <laughs> I, I guess not. <laughs> I'm going to say the Boston Bruins are down there. <laughs> um, shit, who gets scored on all the time? Who's shit? Columbus? Yeah, there's one. Um, you the Canadians? The sad, you forgot the sad sacks of the season. Yes, the Canadians. Now think about the team that has the worst two-way forward. Oh, Vancouver. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You fucking suck it, JT Miller. You piece of shit. How dare uh, you? How dare you skate over to your goalie and tell them to get to the bench? Fuck you. 
I it is funny how I originally was like, well, it's not his fault. Now I'm kind of like, this guy's a fucking asshole. <laughs> it sucks. I'm like, yeah, how good were you offensively that like you were able to like hold back this like deluge of like shittiness? Like yeah. that you were like 80, 90 point player. And be like, I was like, he's great. He's great. And then they fucking went out and they signed him and sort of Bo Horvat. Like, what what sort of shit communication is going on in that? franchise and that like organization like i don't understand like how can he be so shitty in the locker room that those two aren't talking and you're like which one which one which one and you're like (laughs) jt miller you're like oh no oh no oh no i should have lied oh they fucking flipped a coin they didn't they flipped a coin and rather than like thinking about it, you know how coin flips are supposed to make you decide for real, you know, you get the one you don't want and you're like, oh, now I know which one I really wanted. They didn't do that. They flipped Atlanta and JT Miller and they were like, oh, I wish it would have been the Bo Horvat side, but oh, well, it's a coin. JT Miller it is. Uh, stupid. Freaking, you get rid of uh, fucking, what's his face? Ben, or no, what's his name? Benning? Yeah, you get rid of Benning and then you... You get freaking uh, old ass Rutherford in there, and he does the same shit. There are some teams. There are some teams that I swear do not want to be managed well. I know. I'm like that's why I mean. Sometimes I'm like, how has how have things not changed? Especially in like some Canadian markets where I'm like, isn't this like the discussion all day long? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, yeah, well, what are we gonna do? And it's like more than this. I know. I'm like you're so bad. Oh, yeah, give me Bo Horvat. End of discussion. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, oh, it's a rough season for a lot of pe- a lot of teams. And some of these teams are, you know, suck hard for Bedard trying to lose. Some of them definitely not. Ian, before we move on from team stats, would you believe that the Blues have committed the fewest penalties in the NHL this year? Or have, excuse me, had the fewest penalty minutes. I suppose that's not technically the same thing, but. That's surprising. I mean, I guess I, there's, I wasn't thinking they had like the most or anything like that, but I'm surprised we have the fewest. We also have the second fewest penalty minutes against, so. Wasn't our penalty kill like ass for a while though? So it was sort of like, we barely commit any penalties, but when we do, you can sure score us. Maybe they still are ass and we just don't commit penalties. That's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I, I think they here long enough. I think that's spot on. Uh, Ian, I got nothing else. I don't think. I mean, I think we've moved away from, from dissecting the games this year. And I think it's been a good, a welcome switch. I agree. I think it's, I think it's more palatable, especially when they're not great. It's easy. It's easier when there's ups and downs, but there's more ups than down, and and there's there's changes, and there's there's more things to sort of like celebrate, if you will. But when when every week is sort of like, eh, hey, they're five hundred again. Yeah. What yeah. can you do? What can I tell you, folks, that you haven't already seen? It's fun to talk about the developments, though, and the darts. You know. Oh yeah. Maybe we'll have a. Maybe we'll have a. TV show or movie capture our imagination. What do they call? What do they call the? Did they just call the dartboard a dartboard? 
they call it something funny over there i'm sure they call it something else but i didn't hear anything that it was called like a like a, a circle monger or something <laughs> um, the alley valley that's right uh because i would say like you know that we could be two guys two guys one dartboard I bet you there is, I guarantee you, a hundred percent, a million dollars that there's at least like a handful of darts podcasts. I'm sure there are. Because I'm sure there's dark controversy, you know, I'm sure there's like doping or like people using some sticky stuff or like the changes. I'm sure there's like a junior, a world juniors championship of darts mm-hmm. or an age brackets, sponsorships. Oh. We have Love the Darts by Sky Sports, the Online Darts Podcast, the Darts Show Podcast, Bullshooting Podcast. I like that one. That's kind of cool, cute. The Darts Podcast, Good Darts, Just Darts, uh, Born to Win, Dartboard Movie Night. That probably isn't about darts, actually, now that I look at it. <laughs> Darts and Letters, which is a cool name. Chucking Darts. Um, yeah, there's a lot of options. Some of those probably aren't darts-specific podcasts, but enough of them have to be that, you know. You take your chances. That's right. I wonder I wonder what the top Pokemon podcast, Pokecast, is. Oh, man, did I ever try and look one up? I think I did one time. I tried to listen to one, and I was like, what are they going to talk about? I think oh, you... man, these names are great. It's super effective is the top one that came <laughs> up. I love that. A Wild Podcast has appeared. Oh, damn. Man, I love it. I love those two names. These are hot. Oh, man, there's one called Metapod. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that, that's too good. There's one called Scarlet Fever. <laughs> obviously, obviously a newer one. When are we getting that Scarlet expansion that I know they're going to give us? I know, yeah. I got to play more of that. We're going to sell you more Pokemans so you can get more mans on your Pokey, and there'll be more Pokey to put your mans. (laughs) Pokemon, according to what's-his-name. You got to get that right. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm doing it to be ridiculous, but yes, that dude's a baller. That dude is a baller. I kind of appreciate um, players like him or other like hockey players that aren't like, you know, rink rats where they'll be like, yeah, when I'm done with the playoff or when I'm done with the season or I get booed out of the playoffs, I just like, I go home and like paint and stuff. Like I'm watching the rest of this shit. This is what I did all year. We got hobbies. Absolutely. We got one more question coming. Zach Bolduck, by the way, has had 10 goals in his last six games. A little fact that Mike had a hat trick tonight. spit out on Twitter. Yes, he did. And we had a question from uh, Ray Barilli's gloves come in and asked, honestly, how many more picks do we have come trade deadline than we do today? Please set an over under. If he means first round picks, I guess I'd set the over-under at 1.5 and be real lazy about it. Mm -hmm. I'd get as high as three, but I think two is more likely. He means total picks. How many do we have right now? Do we have all seven, or do we just have six next year? Uh, That's a good question. I feel like it's just six. 
I feel like we're always trading something. Yeah, we don't have our second rounder. I don't know if that's for Bucinavich or who that was for. Um, it's for Letty. Son of a bitch. Might have been for Nick Letty then. Um, so we have six. Uh, Over under 9.5. Oh, my God. Uh, under. Total. I'm saying total fix, not first. No, yeah, no, I get that. But I was like, we have six right now. I'm going to say under because I'll say at most we'll have like nine. Yeah, probably true. Over under 8.5. You got to make a decision. Leave tonight or live and die this way. Over, over nine. I'm giving them nine. (laughs) They're going to get three picks. We're going to keep one of these people and... The fact that they talked about Mikola and, and Barbershev makes me think that maybe like those two are gone and O'Reilly maybe stays or you get rid of like, yeah, you get rid of O'Reilly, Tarasenko, and Mikola, and then you're like, well, we need centers and Barbershev can play center. So you're like, all right, we're, we're holding on to them. Um, yeah, I'd say that. This might be a very, what year did we trade like? three dudes and I'll get picks for all of them. Like 2011, I think it was, they traded like uh, Brad Winchester and, and Brad boys. And um, who was the other one? And Eric Brewer. And they got like a picks for each and for all three of them. And I think all three of them turned into like cut pieces. I know the Eric Brewer pick turned into Jordan Bennington. I know the Winchester boys one turned into McEachern. I don't know what the other one eventually turned into, but like it goes to show like those pieces can matter. So not and none of those were firsts. I mean, all those were like seconds and thirds. So you hope that was what we're trading away at this deadline. All those, all of our pieces are better than those three, especially at that time. So hope that at least even if you're only getting a pick like back then, you're getting a higher quality one. Yeah, I mean, you obviously want first round picks. And they are the most valuable, but definitely don't discount second round picks. I mean, Jordan Cairo, um, other guys, I'm sure Pavel Buchnevich maybe was not a first round pick. I don't know. Lots of guys. Most of our team probably weren't first round picks when you break it down. Um, Pavel Buchnevich, a third round pick. Look how good go. he is. Colton Pareko. Sucks, but not a first round pick. <laughs> Corey Krug, was he like not even drafted? Is he one of those, or was he like you hadn't been a first round pick? Scott Perunovich, you know, I could go on and on. I think I've made my point. But <laughs> name some more picks. Brandon Sod, second rounder. Um, you know, Ivan Barbashev, third rounder, second rounder. Excuse me, Nola Chari. Just says status active, so maybe he wasn't drafted <laughs> at all. What was he drafted? Active. <laughs> Tyler Petlick, 31st overall. All you need to know is this guy plays in the NHL currently. That's right. Tori Cruz, status injured reserve. Was he not? He must have been drafted, right? But he's tiny, so maybe not. I know. It's like, are you small? Then maybe you were never drafted. He went undrafted. He was undrafted. Of course. Him, Martin St. Louis. Uh-huh. Same guys. Same dude. Same impact. Can't believe we gave that undrafted fucking chump such a big contract. 
He was never drafted. You can't give him 6.5. Tory Krug's five days older than me. Five days? Oh, no. And Pavel Vichnevich and I share a birthday, but he's much younger than me. Four whole years. Oh, oh baby. I don't like that. I still think of all these guys as being, unless they're young, young, I think of all of them as being like my age or or older. <laughs> and then I'm starting to realize that this year I turned 33 and most NHL players are younger than me. And it's mm. frightening. It's sad, isn't it? I don't like it. I don't care for it. Uh-uh. All right. Well, we're all done. I think. I think we've done it all. I think we're good to go. I think we're done. I think we're good to be done, and done is how we shall be good. Anything else you'd like to say to the people, Ian? Um, Far away, look in his eyes, folks. This could take a while. <laughs> you know, I've done a lot of thinking, and <laughs> this will be my last. Podcast. This will be Until our next podcast. I'm taking, yeah, I'm taking my talents to a darts podcast, a dart slash Pokemon slash uh, fantasy baseball podcast. I'm gonna start a, a darts. Excuse me, a dart slash Pokemon slash Harry Potter po- podcast called Special Defense Against the Dart Arts. <laughs> Oh my god. All right, he did it. He pulled that one out. It's <laughs> over. Yeah, I think that uh it's pretty good. <laughs> I do say so myself. Um, I don't know if if the darts are actually called flights, then I don't know what a dart actually is in this sport that is called yeah. darts. That's but, right. <laughs> you know. but what are these? It's a flight. Well, why don't you call it flights? Well, that'd be fucking stupid. <laughs> All right, let me see if I can just Google. If darts are called flights, <laughs> I love asking Google questions. <laughs> Sometimes it answers you. Is this the idiot? Oh, he. So the flight is just like the fl- the flags part. The dart is still the dart. I was misled. I was misled. Oh, okay. Well, like this, we got another question from uh, the Odds Wizard where it says, who are the top three active former Blues you would love to have back? Not undo any trades, just assume you could have them as a free agent. Well, obviously, as much as we've talked about, we would never, you know, we'd never trade the cup for anything. We're not trading the cup for this. So Tage Thompson straight back on the scene yep. immediately. Oh, yeah, That's number back. one. Number one with a bullet. Um, I'd probably take David Perron at least out of sentimentality. Yeah. I was even going to say, I'm thinking of all recent ones now. Tetro? Yeah, I guess, right? Yeah. He's not active, right? Yeah. Right. I I was going to say Huso, but I think contracts. Yeah. Ooh, Huso is a good toll, though. That might be. I think we're all sleeping on Oscar Sundquist. I think we are. Uh, yeah, I mean, I might take Huso over D- DP to be honest with you. Um, oh, I don't know, if, I don't know if Petro makes saves this defense, but I gotta figure it can't be worse with him here, right? Right, at least he's still here. 
Man, the first one that popped in my head was Oshi, and just because I was like, ah, old blues that aren't on this team anymore. But there's so many better ones. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Oshi, been passed. That's funny. Um, that's a really thought-provoking question. Thank you, Odds Wizard slash Adam, who's I know his real name. You know, I'm an insider. Um, uh-huh. He's an insider. I don't know something like that. Uh, I guess I'll go. I'll get a final answer. I'll say Petrangelo, Tage, and Peron. But that's more heart than smart. I would probably say, under the earth. I would probably say Huso over Peron, if I was being like purely pragmatic. That's right. If you're going for um, the top, baby. I feel like there's one guy that we didn't think of that somebody's gonna just roast us for like don't you remember how we traded Connor mcdavid greg millen greg millen could be greg millen <laughs> that's right that's right i've and seen uh, speaking of and he's who again yeah no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> who's that? speaking of Connor mcdavid uh, yeah speaking of Connor mcdavid i've seen a lot of things that said um Connor bedard might be the best like prospect or whatever since Connor or since uh, Sidney Crosby uh-huh. and I'm kind of like hold up hold up hold up I'm like, <laughs> like is this some weird way of saying like he's as good as Sidney Crosby but not as good as Connor McDavid like since Sidney Crosby because no one's as good as McDavid but I'm like but the way you're saying it makes it sound like Sidney Crosby better than McDavid yeah. <laughs> also, exactly. which I don't I mean I guess like career wise sure but it's like it's just confusing but it's it's not confusing that he's going to be a very good player i was wondering if maybe he was a little more jack hughes type you know at the beginning of the season where i'm like yeah he'll be very he's he's supposed to be a generational talent but also maybe he'll just like which hughes wasn't but like maybe he'll just kind of you know he'll soften a bit and be like, yeah, he's still going to be very good, but he's not what yeah. he thought he was going to be. But no, instead he's only become like stronger and better. I'm like, oh my God, we got another one. Here comes another one. Um, I like that he's been such a big deal since like the year before last year to the point that like, I'm sure there's some kid that's going to be first overall in 2024. I don't know who the fuck that is. <laughs> Normally they're already lining him up to be like, oh, well, if you miss out on freaking Connor Bedard, just wait till next year when you get Lance uh higginbotham or whatever and mm-hmm. it's like i don't know who that is this guy's Higginbotham's so big. your go-to generic last name that's right yep gotcha there <laughs> Pull uh, that one right out of the uh old yellow pages next week we'll do a draft of four plus syllable surnames and <laughs> ian's one of one will be Higginbotham. that's right <laughs> Uh, lest he feel ignored, because we certainly wouldn't want that. Our pal Ryan Barnes, who whose actual Twitter handle is your bud Ryan. Now that I'm reading a little closely, uh, asked why didn't we claim Vrana? Uh, Jacob Vrana waived by the uh, Red Wings. He went unclaimed, I assume. Uh, correct? Yeah, unclaimed. I mean, I can only assume that it's a contract thing. He does have two years left at five point six million. If he's getting waived you've got to assume that the red wings explored some trade options and didn't you know didn't engage them or didn't have any takers so that's all i can think of i would have probably done it doug hasn't made a waiver claim that i know of in a very long time since the days of scott wedgwood 
I remember being very excited when we were going to get Scott Wedgwood and then we didn't for some reason. Or no, it wasn't Scott Wedgwood. It was some other Wedgwood. I don't think it was the goalie, but it was some guy. Oh, Kyle. Or was it Kyle Wellwood? Huh? Kyle Wellwood? That might be it. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I remember being very excited about that in like 2011 and then it didn't happen. But that's all I can think of is the contract thing with Rada. But would have been a nice piece. Yeah. It's um, that, and I'm sure, like, money, too. Like, if you get some of these guys back from injured reserve and they clear up that space or whatever, and I guess we'll see. Like, in any other circumstance, I'd, I'd love to have them. But I think, yeah, contract issue and sort of, like, what's been going on with him off the ice and everything, hopefully everything, like, for him goes well. Um, and he's doing okay. But, yeah, it's it's it is what it is. It's unfortunate. But hopefully, like I said, he's... He's in a good space. Yeah, agreed. Uh, with that, let's call it. Let's say that's the end of it, and we will be back next week. We'll be back sooner than that with a uh, Soccer Talk Lads podcast if you're interested in that sort of thing. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll chat then. But thank you for listening tonight. Have a wonderful weekend a wonderful i guess all the holidays are done so just enjoy your perfectly monday in january 5th and we'll talk to you all real soon welcome to 2023 see ya